Support for Oyster World Radio comes from you, our listeners. If you'd like to support the show, visit the link in the show description or visit patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind-the-scenes coverage of how these random interviews materialize, plus travel tips. So don't miss out and support the show today. More support means meeting more people that you would normally never meet, less travel headaches while on the road, and you get to learn the ins and outs of everywhere I go. Become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio and support the show today. Welcome to Oyster World. Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and in this episode, we welcome Francisco Rubio. Where the heck do I even start with this guy? He has an incredible story that he tells with such a nonchalant, zen-like attitude. He's gone through some stuff which is maybe why he's so relaxed and happy all the time, but I have to admire his ability to push through hard times while making logical, calculated decisions under stress. Francisco has survived earthquakes, he endured working for a Ponzi scheme, moved to a different continent, and much, much more that you just have to listen to believe. Now, I do have to point out that we did have a bit of a mic malfunction while recording, so there is a bit of an audio Frankensteining going on with the backups, but the interview is well worth the slight setback in audio quality. So sit back, grab a Pilsner, and enjoy my conversation with Francisco Rubio. So Francisco, welcome to Oyster World Radio. We're really excited to have you on in this beautiful city of Prague, Czech Republic. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good. Well, we're here in your apartment, and (laughs) thank you for hosting me and Jackie. We have had a Absolutely wonderful time here in Prague, which is now one of my top five favorite cities that I've traveled so far. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing. And what's even more amazing is that we found you here, someone that a fellow North American, which is super helpful. Of course. We understand each other. We understand each other. You know why I knew we would understand each other? (laughs) Because you have hot sauce in your fridge. And Europeans don't like anything spicy. Well, Czechs do, but half. Only half the Czechs. I found the wrong Czechs then. Yeah. Czechs are weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is really strange. This is one of the few times where I can't even pronounce the words. I can't even try. (laughs) And you lived here a while, too. Yeah, four years. Four years and you still... Well, you know a little... You know more than me. Yeah. At least. I need to... I can actually read them in. Yeah, which is much more than me. It doesn't even make sense. No. And the words <laughs> the words that you tell me just go out of my mind. Yeah. I can't even grasp them. Yeah, imagine the calendars. <laughs> oh, good God. Yeah, you've been through a lot in yeah. Prague. But it sounds like you're having a great time. This is, is a great. wonderful city mm-hmm. and full of life and all kinds of things. So I want to figure out how the hell that you got here in the first place. I got here. Well. So, so we've got to go all the way back. Yeah. To where you grew up, where you were born, which was Mexico City. Yes, Mexico. I was born in Mexico City. And, you know, I, I mean, we, we here in the U.S., we hear a little bit about Mexico, Mexico City, but I actually don't know much about it. So how was it growing up in Mexico City? Can you take us back to just, just what, what was a daily life 
for you in Mexico City when teens. you were like six years old? So, uh, well, usually we would just wake up and we would go to school, which was close by, I remember, and uh, because we would go walking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then back home and then I would play with my toys or watch TV. But that's pretty much what I remember. Were you a late sleeper or an, an an early riser? Because I didn't start waking up early until I met Jackie. I was always sleeping until 11 a.m. In those times, I don't remember. I probably... I was a... I would wake up early because they would make me go to sleep at 9 p.m. or earlier. And yeah, I... At that time, when I was sleeping so early, I got a little brother and sister, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had a little brother and sister, too. And yeah. I'm guessing you guys played together and went outside and did all well, the little know. kid things. You know, in Mexico City, you don't go outside to play. <laughs> oh, uh, I, yeah. I don't, why? I don't know. No yeah, idea. it's a big city. Yeah. People are afraid that they will steal the kids. Or I guess that's like true. That. Yeah. In any big city, you really have to yeah, exactly. worry about and, that. Uh, you have to worry about traffic and not being hit by cars. That's right. You're like six years old, like five, six yeah, years old. No, Probably no. not the best idea. Yeah. I remember they would sometimes leave us at the care of the of the guy that took care of the building. I don't remember any of the shit. So. Oh, like the landlord? Yeah. Not a landlord. It's like a manager. Manager of the building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you, he'd babysit you and... Yeah, sometimes and he had kids around the same age, so it was fine. Oh, yeah, so you'd play with them and... Yeah. Do you remember what your favorite game was? We didn't have games yet. Or maybe not like video games, but did you... Like, I threw rocks at my friends, you know? We would just... Or play tag and push each other. At in that the time, life, before you know? seven, I don't remember much. I just remember I had my toys that were he <laughs> you you liked He-Man? Yeah. Good call. I liked He-Man too. Yeah, so it's solid. It's around that time before <laughs> the Thundercats. So Oh yeah, before the Thundercats, that's true. Yeah. I forgot that He-Man was before the Thundercats. That was a that was like the glory age of cartoons. Yeah. At least that I remember. Best. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember very little from before seven. Yeah, the the reason though why I'm asking for everyone listening is that before seven years old, Mexico City was just a normal bustling city. And then the earthquake came when yeah, you were seven years old. Yeah. Massive earthquake and really devastated the city. Yeah, it was horrible. I had many thousands of people died. Yeah. Many buildings fell. Uh, I was lucky my building didn't fell. But uh, my sister was two weeks old. Your sister was two weeks old. Yeah, two weeks old, and she was in. She just gotten into the house like a week before. My God. Yeah. Do you remember what that day was like? Is it still pretty vivid, or have you tried to black it out? It was uh, before the time to wake up when that started. So I remember my mom just uh, yelling at us, waking us up. Uh, we were in the third floor of a building. Yeah. So she just grabbed us and said that we should put ourselves under the beds. 
Yeah. So we went under the bed. So we didn't know what was happening. Uh, then my dad came and they're like, he was like, it seems like it stopped. Let's get out of here. So uh, we started to get out and we had this really big 21 inch TV for that time. It was a really big TV. Yeah. And I remember it just fell. It just fell. Yeah. It fell from, it was so strong that it fell. It's a very heavy TV. I yeah. Just saw it one of those on really, the, really big yeah, TVs the, too. From Sony, this Sony Trinitron uh, TVs just on the floor. And it. then we were like, exiting the, on the, by the stairs. And there were some steps that were not there, and we had to jump. <laughs> like really, so this really did cut through because I've never experienced an earthquake. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. I, they're pretty short too, right? They're not not the big ones. Too ter- the the big ones are last pretty long. Yeah, wow. yeah, it depends on the intensity. It can last two to five minutes. Yeah. But even then, like two to five minutes, it can completely devastate a city well, yeah, I did. in five minutes, yeah. which is to me a little crazy to think about. Yeah. That before, absolutely fine, five minutes later, there's steps missing from your building, TV, your entire house is yeah. ransacked. Yeah, so we ex- exited the building, and well, one of the last things I remember is that there were like three houses in front of the building and now there were only one because the other two had fallen wow and i was just so worried just because my toys were still inside (laughs) of course you're seven years old i want to get my toys you don't know what's going on no no told you like it was weird and then i don't remember anything else i we I don't remember how we got out of Mexico City. Yeah. I remember that one thing I remember on the way that we were listening to a radio and in the radio they were yelling out the buildings that had fallen and they started saying that the building that we used to live in had fallen. The building that you used to live in? Yeah. Before you moved to this new building? No, no, no. This was the, in this building. Because the that building that thing. you just left yeah, fell. Fallen. No, it didn't fall. But they okay. confused it on the radio. And then oh all my, my family was going crazy because there were no cell phones. Yeah. And all the lines were cut. So they didn't know where we were. We didn't know about the family. We just went to our, you know, my grandma's house, which was far away yeah. in another city. And until then, no one knew about us. Oh they thought God. that we had died. And what a relief for your family. And thank God you guys survived and you're sitting here. Yeah. In front of me right now, that's such a horrible thing to go through when you're seven years old. Yeah, I got a little bit of a phobia of earthquakes now. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can imagine that. It makes me very anxious. <laughs> I, I, I think they make most people anxious, but you have a definite reason to be yeah, very yeah, anxious yeah. for earthquakes. Because, I mean, that what a major event in your life at an early age. And, you know, it displaced you for a little bit. Yeah, but After that. in Mexico City, you get like at least two medium-sized ones per year. Oh, really? So it is a really active site. Yeah, it's very active. The thing is that it, Mexico City was built on top of a lake. Oh, really? Yeah. And the floor is very soft. 
and because there's still water down there it makes like a reverberation chamber yeah so any slight earthquake can be magnified and yeah, something much magnified. bigger super strong okay so your family decided to take a break from the earthquakes for a while after that reasonably yeah. so in the next couple years you you stayed at your grandma's place as you no 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 we didn't stay there we no we went to my grandfather grandma's place for at first and then we moved into a house that we rented and then my parents bought a house there which we lived in maybe a year Oh, okay. So you, but in the area where your grandmother Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lived. In the same okay. area. Gotcha. And then decided, no, maybe that's not, not yeah. for me. And then... Yeah, my, my dad uh, had problems with in his job. Well, not problems. He just wanted a, a change. He didn't want his children to grow up without seeing him so much because he was traveling a lot. Yeah. Because of the job he had, this was in tourism, so they, 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 he had to travel a lot to Albuquerque, to New York, and he was always in these two places. Well, like far away places. Yeah, far away places. So he would leave for two months and then come back, and then another two months and then Holy come back. Holy crap! And as a young kid, too, not having your father around for two months is a big deal. So I yeah. Give your dad a lot of credit for saying no. It's enough time to time to yeah. make a change. So when I was eleven, we moved. We moved to to, to Cancun. Cancun. Yeah. So your family then moved to Cancun, which is the rest of your childhood. Yes. And I'm sure was it hard for you moving around so much? Yeah. Or did you? Because I'm sure you had to then restart all your friend groups and go to a new school. And in primary school, I was in. In Mexico, primary school is six years, from when you're five to twelve. Gotcha. So I, in six years, I was in five schools. You were in five schools in six years, so you couldn't really make any stable yeah. friends or connections. I was an extrovert when I started. I was an introvert when I ended. And I can completely understand yeah. why. That's it's hard. It's hard yeah. on anybody. But was Cancun then more of a stable force? Was it a happy time? After all of that in, change? Yeah, in Cancun first, they put me in the only uh, school that accepted me in half the year. And this was a, a Catholic school. Oh, really? And I, I'm not religious at all. So it, even if it was six months, it was horrible for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that being not so great. <laughs> yeah, and then even so... Uh, my parents were like, no, 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 and it was expensive school, so they're like, okay, we're going to move you to another school, and I really tried my best to fail all the the tests. Really? To, Why? To get into this new school because I had had enough of changing schools. Yeah, you just wanted to stay in yeah. one school and just. So even failing the all the tests, they accepted me. <laughs> it was a, a private school, of course. Okay. Yeah, and I just told my parents. Do not move me from this school ever again. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, so I finished all the way to the end of high school in the same school. And I'm sure that was a big relief. Yeah, no, I didn't want to change schools again. So did Cancun feel more like your home than anywhere else too? Yes, because now I really had friends and I grew up with them and so on. Which makes sense for a later part of your life, but... Before we get to that, so you grew up 
basically in your new home of Cancun after all this moving and craziness. Yeah. And then decided to go back to Mexico City to study. Yes. In physics. Physics. Now, this is a really interesting part of your story because you're chugging along, getting your physics degree, and then a strike happened. Yes. In the college. So (laughs) So there was a student strike. Yeah. Where then the school just shut down. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, great. Now school is coming back to haunt me again. Now now what do I do? And when we were saying before, it was almost this limbo-type area where you never know when the strike's going to end, so you couldn't get a job. But there was also some history with past strikes that made you... Well, my parents. (laughs) For me, I was a dumb student, and I didn't care. You didn't care? I wasn't. Even with the stories. And, of course, you're going to have to explain what happened, and then... Yeah, it's not. It's uh, difficult to explain sometimes because <laughs> I don't have that mentality anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, I guess what I was saying is, um, in the past, the government was not too happy yeah. with student strikes. Yeah, there was a student strike in 1968, and they killed all the students, and then they hid the news for 20 years. And uh, they accepted it that it happened at like ten or fifteen years ago, which is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, and as you know, a student now going on strike again, not too far removed from the massacre that just took place. Yeah, it was in the same university. And it was in the same university <laughs> too. No wonder yeah, your parents decided students. to get it out to you. <laughs> and then, of course, your parents said, "Nope, you're coming home. You're yeah, not." Doing the problem that. is that it's the best university in Mexico. Yeah. And is recognized uh, internationally, but it's also it's a free school, and they just wanted to charge people for going there. Gotcha. And of course, you know, that that's a big deal for the students that exactly. want their education and then puts them in debt and burden. So I can understand the strike, but with the killings? Oh, no, in the because... previous one, it was not like, uh, it was a student strike, but it had political motives. Oh, okay. They were protesting the government. They were protesting uh, the Olympics and the new taxes that they were putting. So they were... The, the, they were serious protests. We were just didn't want to pay for the. So policy. you were going against the university itself, not the government as a whole. Exactly. Yeah, we were very bad students. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we were against the. The thing is that it's still a, an autonomous university. That means uh, that it has its own laws, mm-hmm. like. Police cannot come in because it's like an autonomous state inside of Mexico. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Even if it's just a school, to be able to be like a good school, yeah, it needs to be autonomous. Yeah. So it's not affected by politics. Gotcha. But maybe their funding got cut or something, so they needed no, to it's pitch not, in? Or? No, it's just uh, to have more... The, the problem is that it's still a, a government facility and they have a lot of bureaucracy that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And they need more money for their bureaucracy. 
Yeah. That's it. It's Not because of the students or the teachers, it's just the bureaucrats. Gotcha. And then, so, the, but the strike happened, of yeah. course, and then that means that you can't go to school. And then yeah, this... and I was one of the people that helped close the university. You were one of the people that helped. Yeah, I said I helped set up a internet radio to communicate between faculties, so we would know if someone was coming together. What? Oh, so you were the security guy. <laughs> you were the. You For were making sure everyone didn't. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I was so like a head man in the strike. Yeah, I had my own office. <laughs> had your own office? Took... Yeah. I, That's I... freaking incredible. <laughs> It was interesting time. <laughs> a very interesting time. What, what? Okay. So, what was your like? What? What was your job? You, you said radio, but what, they, they, like, who was coming to get you? Was it like, the administrators? I was, yeah. I and would, come get who? Who are they coming to get? Well, if the cops would come, we needed to know before uh, or when. So we were monitoring all the news sources. I was monitoring everything, and in those times, the internet was. Quite new, so not many people would know how to get into things. I was like, I'm good with that, but you do it. Mm-hmm. So I was just reading news and saying, like, okay, this is what's happening, this is what they're telling about us, this is the lies that they're telling about us, these are good journalists that they're actually involved, and so on. So you were one of the very important members feeding information and giving the right information to In the right faculty. people. <laughs> yeah. I was not one of the the people that would be talking or... Right, like so you weren't that. in the streets or anything, but yeah. you were the man behind the scenes making it happen. Uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that went on for two weeks. Yeah, for after two weeks, my parents just sent me a ticket. No, you're going to go to Cancun. <laughs> Did they know what you were doing? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then they were studying at the time of the, the massacres at the university, yeah, so, so fresh in like, their minds. No, 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 this is not going to happen. We know that there might be bad things happening, so I'm not going to risk you. So, Gotcha. Well, I'm sure that was a very Come hard home. loss for the for the strike, but <laughs> you're like, so nonchalant about it, too. You're like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll ask my parents that this is going to be to last like a month, right? Yeah. Yeah, it lasts a month. <laughs> and how long did it last? Nine months. Nine months. So in that time too, you just—it's not like you go find a job. You were hoping to go back to school, yeah. and the time kept ticking. At, and ticking. at one point, there was a news that they wanted that they were about to make an agreement with the students, and I just went back to Mexico City because I was like, okay, yeah, when this ends, I need to keep on studying. Yeah. So. But still, it was like three months that I was in Mexico City doing nothing, reading books. So it was three months after that, too. So it was yeah. nine months in Cancun, and three months afterwards. Yeah. It just So when the strike finally ended, like, like what happened? Finally, things were lifted. The school started up again. Yeah, but they wanted to get the time back for the plan. So they were making semesters that usually take six months Yeah. in three or four oh, good without Lord. vacations yeah right yeah so some people awful. actually could do that and but i couldn't keep up the rhythm like that yeah so it was just almost mass chaos really. yeah which may be a good strike in the beginning but then it ruined your experience and eventually yeah. you stopped and went yeah, back i stopped and 
I started looking for a job because my parents were helping me out with that, but I didn't want them to help me forever. Yeah. Uh, so I started looking for a job and I got a job. Oh yeah, and that's always a struggle for a kid. You never want to be a burden on your parents growing yeah. up and helped raise you. But this is you were still in Mexico City at this time when you found yeah. the job. This job wasn't the best from what you described. No. It was <laughs> to put it lightly. Lightly. Yeah. It was a forex scheme kind of company that uh, so you would take foreign currencies foreign, yeah. and try Euro to invest versus it. dollar and try to get money out of transactions, of fast transactions. This is what everyone's doing with Bitcoin, but yeah. I was doing it like 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, which also scares me about Bitcoin, but before we get into any of that, <laughs> so you were trying, it was almost like day trading on the currency market. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. And it, it, I was working... 22 out of 24 hours. My God. You didn't even get to sleep. You're just like a zombie. No, we were like, in, at night we would take turns to see the screens and the prices. And one would sleep for a couple of hours and then someone would be their turn. and Or someone would be nice and be like, okay, not tonight, I'll, I'll take off the prices. Uh, you, you would get awakening you. The prices would reach certain certain points and but you need to be in the office all the time oh because you God. need to call you need to make the calls and make the changes yeah. at a moment's notice yeah so what was that job getting experience like for you because when you first get your first job of course it's exciting yes i'm gonna yeah. accept it did you know what you were getting into at the start or was it this gradual what the hell is happening? Yeah, it was a gradual what the hell is happening. I just, uh, they assigned me an account. First, it was $30,000. And I started doing not so good. So the, the customer was like, okay, don't worry. I'll put more money into it. So it was at the end $47,000. And I was trying my best to make him earn money. But actually, I was just losing money because of how the the things were in the company well you weren't trained either yeah i got trained like one week you got trained one of, week with a piece of paper yeah with a piece of paper yeah like oh play with the screen and you would be like oh i'm awesome with this but yeah in the real the, world yeah in the real world you are actually taking a very big risk not a paper risk yeah and with fifty thousand dollars of someone else's money that's yeah that's pressure. That's there's a lot to it. You know, the like, guy was so sleeping. nice. It was this old guy, uh, architect. I really felt bad about him. Yeah, and it's not like you weren't trying. You were trying really hard. You were in there all the time. Yeah, he but... noticed, and I was like, and he told me like, okay, if you pull this account, I'm going to hire you and put you this this kind of jobs that's really good. I was like. I'm trying my best, but I can't. I just, yeah, and it seems like you were doomed from the start. Yeah. You weren't given any training. It yeah, was actually, in a faulty scheme. Yeah, actually in these companies, the good ones, a spread of buy sell, it's around three to seven points. In this one, we had a spread of 25 points. So it was doomed. You can, 25 points? 25 points in a 
the forex market is a lot of coins to wait and try to gain some money it's just it was it was a, a bad company yeah 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 um and and, and that sucks because it's your first one yeah. school your first possible career and it sucked but when i left the, the company i didn't have a job i was just like but one day i was look, watching the news and i saw like huh that's my boss <gasps> no <laughs> did they get busted for something yeah they got busted Everyone got to, to go to jail. All the bosses went to jail. No shit. Like, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, it's like, these guys were from Hong Kong. All of them. And they all went to Mexican prison. No, that's not a good time. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and then when they said the real names in the, in the interview, they were not even the real names that they gave us. Like, we didn't know these guys. You didn't know? So the bosses, your boss, you worked for one of those guys, yeah. gave you a fake name. Yeah. So this was just a scheme from the start. Yeah. From the very beginning, your first job was just a scheme to get the poor architect's money. Yeah. That sucks. The problem is that they started getting also accounts from politicians. So they uh, got them. They got them. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, you can't mess with that because yeah, that will take no. you down. Exactly. Oh man, so not not the greatest first job <laughs> experience in Mexico City, but in that that seems like a really hard time for you because then once you left the company, obviously that lifestyle was unsustainable yeah, on no. so many levels, and you were start you're trying to get it going in Mexico City, but there was a breaking point where you just had to call it quits and can and go back to Cancun yeah. with your parents was I sure was really hard and difficult but what can you bring us back to that point when you finally said no I got to go back like what was going on or was there any triggers that really made you go well, was it a hard decision easy decision it was an easy decision I was having a bad time so when you're having a bad time decisions are easy Oh, you say that though, but a lot of people get stuck in situations out of moral obligation or some idea that like, no, I'm a failure if I go back, which I don't think is true. I think I'm like you. I think you just need to yeah. go. But it, I think there's a lot of blocks that people have. But what what was the thought process in your head of going back? Going back, okay, I'm I'm losing what I'm doing that now. I'm losing all the money I have. I'm not finding another job. I have nothing left. And I have the money for this month's rent. And afterwards, I don't have any more money. If I plan my money correctly with the money, so the money of the, that I would get back for, for how's it called? The, oh, the security deposit. The security the, deposit, yeah. yeah. Uh, from my flat and from the the place that i was paying for a business then i would have enough money to go to my parents house and they were totally agreed that they would take me so i was like yeah for a few months maybe i'll get there and that's it it was the best option i always try to see all the options that i have and i have to always see the best one yeah and it seems like it was a very logical process, even under an immense amount of pressure. And yeah. luckily, thank you, parents, 
all the parents around the world for helping out us kids. Yeah. Because that really was the spark of your next phase in life was this pivotal decision to go back because if only if you stayed in Mexico City, you definitely wouldn't be here and you might be on the street somewhere, you know, because yeah. things with time was running out. <laughs> I would never be on the street. I have good friends always. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is very, They're very just true. plan Bs and plan Cs. <laughs> it's, yeah, also very true. I guess that when you always have a support system, then you're never alone, right? Yeah. Especially when it comes to your parents and that... That was a crucial move. I know a lot of people have a lot of pride and don't want to move back into parents, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. They'll help you. And if they don't want to help you, then they'll tell you that they won't want to help you. And then you have other options. Go to plan B and plan, plan B, C. Plan C and then plan E and all the way to Z. And yeah. then afterwards, there's also more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can always find options. And yeah. It's, it's cool, too, because as soon as you got back, things started to roll then it was like a new breath of fresh air almost yeah, I started because... to do good and you found you found a job almost right off the bat through a connection in your hometown because yeah. this is where you grew up your connections are back home you go back to a place where you probably know a little bit more than your birthplace in Mexico City so, uh, I know both places like the back of my okay I guess yeah. that's true <laughs> but either way breath of fresh air Roll yeah. with the metaphor. Rather <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fresh air. And yeah, things started to pick up. You found a job. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you started excelling. Yeah, it was, it was weird, this job, because uh, I started like a very basic position. But after like a couple of years, they saw that I was good at math. That was easy to me. And they needed people to analyze data. Which right now is super trendy, but at that time, no one did it. Yeah. They just had this amount of data that was super big and yeah. they didn't know what to do with it. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And in my spare time, I was like, okay, I did this. Do you like it? And they were like, oh, yes. So they started to promote me and they put me like in the position that I was the only guy in this company, which was a hotel change. And I'll, of nine hotels. I was the only one that could do reports and could do... You were the only one. Yeah. You were a big shot. I didn't think I was, but apparently I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I was, a, for me, it was fun. I was like, okay, I'll do graphs. Okay, I'll do this analysis. It's fun. I'll give you these. And I'll see what the reaction would be. And uh, they liked it. And then I was just giving... Uh, meeting I, I was presenting meetings to the big shots of the company like the higher executives or never an owner but they would tell the owners what i just said yeah so it was it was fun so was this was weird. such a, a cool contrast to where you started in mexico city because that was a lot of excitement for your first job and then realize that it's a horrible scheme and it's gonna get busted by the yeah. government and this one, was it, did you know right away that you liked it? Was it also slow burn? And then once you got the wheels running? It was, it was nice. Uh, at first, I, there was a lot of changes because they were, they were not certain what position to give me. So I was just jumping from one to another, to another, to another. And I was good at all of them. So at, uh, it was nice and super refreshing. And it was wonderful, all this phase. 
which lasted like four years. Yeah. And afterwards, I was not doing so good because I I became like this only guy that can do all of this. And for them, it, because I made it look easy, they thought that I was slacking and that I had not not good quality in my work because sometimes I had errors because mm. they would ask for stuff and they would give me two hours to make it and yeah I would and that to... doesn't work so well no, if you want good analysis yeah, yeah. Good analysis so I would be complaining sometimes I'm like yeah but you gave me this amount of time I did it in the amount of time with the quality I can give it that amount of time right so start things started to get bad 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 I start to search for other jobs and they, the jobs didn't come so well. Um, I, I got really two jobs that were, I was almost there, almost there, but no, I didn't get that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like it. I was... Which is, I think it does happen for a lot of people, I, which I think is really underestimated too in our nature is we we're really bad at doing the same thing over and over again for our entire lives. And it's the better we get, the more we're expected of it. And there's just a limit. And it seems like you were just overworked at some point. Overworked, but in the sense that I would plan my time very well. In Mexico, it's not unheard that people would uh, work for 12 hours a day. Yeah. And I was working eight hours per day. Yeah. So my bosses saw that like, that was very bad for me. And then I, I decided that I want to move to Europe because I had a second nationality, a Spanish nationality. Yeah, so you were able to get your passport, which yeah. was just an off chance yeah, opportunity. It, it was an opportunity that was given to me by having a grandfather and grandmother from Spain. Yeah. Uh, and they allowed this change in uh, that allowed some people to do it in like only two years mm-hmm. so we just pushed uh, my pa- my father and to do this and then i could do it oh fantastic yeah so then you got your eu passport and then yes. all of a sudden because it seems like you know our jobs weren't able to come again and it it was almost like the the move to cancun over again you know like i'm not liking where i'm at what are my options yeah oh cool, I found this option, this passport to get into the EU. Yes. Which at the time, was that just a crazy idea for you? It was a crazy idea, but once I got it, I the first thing I said was like, okay, I got it. In three years, I'm going to go to live to Europe. And I said this to a friend, like, I'm going to go to Europe to live in three years. First, my plan was Spain, of course. Uh, but then... This was just like something I said, like to the wind, like yeah, just put yeah, it out there yeah. in the world and see what happens. I like this idea; I might pursue it. So it actually didn't take me three years; it took me five. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, it did eventually come back. It eventually yeah, happened. yeah. I, I was like, no, this will, this will be my path. I traveled a couple of times inside of Europe to see places I like. I like it here in Prague, and I moved. And just like that. And was it a similar thought process of when you're going to Cancun? Very logical. Yes, it had to be logical. I started, I made a list of the cities that I liked, that I visited. I didn't want to go to the usual places. Mm-hmm. And 
I just uh, made the, uh, a spreadsheet or list. Or... Yeah, a spreadsheet of the good things about the place. Then I search online for the economical statistics with my analysis background. I actually read what they wanted and how they were growing. I searched for how were they treating foreigners. Uh, here it's not so good, but it was not that bad either. Yeah. They're just too new to the experience. Yeah. And because I wanted to work in hotel business as well, I just saw that the hotels business here were was growing like crazy because they were getting more and more tourists. I was like, okay, I like these graphs. Okay, I'm going to go there. Probably I'll get a, a job there. I had saved money for being here like three months. Mm-hmm. If in three months it didn't work, then I would go back. And go back. And yeah. obviously since you're still here, yeah, it, it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> and I, I think it's... It's really cool that you've made multiple jumps, one that was almost forced and then one that was almost on your own. Yeah. And I guess to wrap up your story, because now you're living in Prague, you have yeah. friends here, your years here, four years, you're working it for Expedia and have a, seems like you have a great job, stable life. It's like You did it. You made it. You're living in Europe. Yeah. But for everyone out there, that's at a crossroads at that, just to wrap up the show. Someone that maybe is running out of options or is, is, too, is afraid to make the jump into something new or something unknown. What would you say to someone to help them to almost push them forward? Well, what I do is not think about the, the fear of doing things. It's just that it's fear. It's, you need to follow a logical place. Yeah. Take a logical decision. Even if it's not good, you cannot control anything. You can only control yourself. So that's what I usually do. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting because I I definitely get locked up by fear sometimes. But from the beginning to the end of your story, you've used logic to get out of situations. And for a lot of people out there listening, you've made it. You made it to a, a goal that so far. Might want. <laughs> I guess that's true so far, so good. But even the new fact that you've lived here in Europe for four years, you've made it and you've taken more of a logical Yeah, it always has to be a very logical approach to things. That's, if you base yourself in logic, there's no fear in logic. <laughs> I so, like that. So you just follow it and, okay, there's fear. But also... Uh, I've read in psychology books, all changes, good or bad, cause you fear and depression. So just don't worry about the depression or the fear that you will experience. Even if it's a good thing, it will happen. Just don't worry about it because afterwards it ends and then good things happen. Yeah, like all things, the the bad that part will end you know yeah. it's part of it that's it's part, part of, of life change. and everything isn't going to be great forever yeah no there's always hard times there's always times that you're alone there's always times that you're feeling bad but also there's times that you feel awesome and there are times that you feel like the greatest in the world and then you always have to look at your life and think wow this is an amazing life and try to think about your life like it's the most 
amazing life that you can know. Yeah. And it's you. Yeah. You have the perfect life for you because it's you. Yeah. No more than the perfect life. It's it's the best life. Yeah. I yeah. love that. <laughs> and I think that's a perfect way to end the show. Thank you, Francisco, for coming on the show. No problem. And imposing <laughs> your Zen-like wisdom to the world. We really appreciate yeah. it. And yeah, we're going to go out and drink more beers in Prague. So for everyone listening out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Oyster Roll Radio and Francisco. Yay! <laughs> and come visit Prague in the sky, and we'll talk to him soon. Sure. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World Radio. Thanks again, Francisco Rubio, for coming on the show. I missed that fried cheese already. Can you send us some? Keep up to date on everything going on in the big sabbatical on Instagram at Nathan.Wanders and the blog of my partner in crime, Jackie Gishbacher, at Gish, G-I-S-H, outofwater.com. Check out the links in the show description for more information. Special thanks to Charlie Milken for all of the Oyster Jams. Check them out on Spotify or at charliemilliken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind the scenes plus some unique travel tips so do not miss out. Thanks again for tuning in to Oyster World Radio. We will be back in two weeks. But until then, this is Nathan Lieberman. Signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about our time that's gone by Ooh.